Hi everyone and welcome to How to Win the Dating Game, the podcast. I'm Trudy Gilbert, Australia's millionaire matchmaker and founder of Elite Introductions. And for today's episode, we have a special guest, an expert in the school of hard knocks when it comes to dating. (laughs) I'd like to introduce you to uh, Rebecca Campbell. Rebecca has recently published her book with Allen and Unwin Publishers titled 138 Dates and the book has been receiving rave reviews. So a little background on Rebecca. After starting her own music label, she launched a tech company and raised 17 million in capital for a startup. And Rebecca, who hadn't dated for a decade, decided to take her success track record in business and apply the same principles to finding her ideal man. She uh, indeed went on dates with 138 men finally meeting the man she's delighted to call the love of her life and father of her two beautiful children. 138 Dates is the story of that journey and the amazing discoveries and distinctions that she made along the way. Rebecca is also a columnist for the New York Times, Boss Magazine in San Francisco and Nine Honey here in Australia. Welcome, Rebecca. Thank you, Trudy. Uh, great to chat. That was quite an introduction. Well, you've had quite the career. You've been very busy. Now I have two little children. So oh, I'm yes. To... And that's a whole new meaning of busy, right? Well, we're very excited to have you on the show. You know, we've known each other for many years now, and I recently read your book, as you know, and I absolutely loved it. I was very happy that many of your discoveries around dating really aligned with my teachings but also was open to you attaining success using some techniques that are a little bit different to what I teach. So I thought it was a great opportunity to have a chat and hear about your philosophy straight from the horse's mouth, as it were. So so tell me, Rebecca, after going through such an arduous experience of setting out on this task and all the failures, which ultimately led to your success, what prompted you to write about it? Oh, well, I mean, I, as you mentioned before, I write business columns and I was approached by a publisher to write a business book. So I started writing this book about women in tech and challenges and business and things. And I just found it really quite boring. Mm. And, um, and I just wasn't excited to write it. And at the same time, I was so in love with Rod and I'd oh. been through this incredible journey to find him. And we had a young baby and I'd often find myself at dinner parties and people would always ask, you know, how did you guys meet? And I would say, well, <laughs> we, have Rod, I got a story for you? So Rod was my 138th date. Yeah. And then I would find that everyone would lean in and, you know, they would ask me more questions and then say, you've got to talk to my single friend. You know, she needs to hear this. And and so I thought, okay, this is the story that I could tell. I think like, it could be something that would add a lot more value for people than another business book. But really finding love is everything. It's so much more in terms of value that it's created for my life. It's created so much more value than anything I did in business. So this was the story that I wanted to share. Mm. Well, it's it's so heartfelt and raw and honest. You can't help but but fall in love with you and, and your journey as you're reading it. It was just delightful. Thank you, Trudy. <laughs> embarrassing at points to, to write. I think when I was writing it, I was thinking, that I would kind of put it all out there, just tell it exactly as it was in my head at the time and exactly, and then I would pull it back later, you know, as I was about to publish it, I'd just take out the stuff that was too embarrassing. But of course that was the stuff that everybody liked. Absolutely. So yeah, I didn't get to plenty of it back, but anyway. No, I'm I'm glad you didn't. 
Now, one place where our philosophies differ is the method that you use to finding your dates. You you use dating apps and you and your gorgeous partner, Rod, are, are one of the great minority who actually found their partner this way. After using Tinder as your dating platform back in 2014, if you were single today, would you or would you not use a dating app and why? Well, so my technique was to do everything. I mean, I wanted to find love. It took me, I mean, it took me three years and 138 dates, different people. So, I mean, I developed a different a strategy, different strategies that I evolved through the whole process. But one thing I was sure of was that I was going to take this into my own hands and, you know, I was going to do everything I possibly could to make it happen. So if I'm honest, I would say if I was dating today, I probably would be doing everything um, because I wanted to get all the kind of potential candidates in the top of the funnel and then I worked out different ways to filter and, and, I, and I did a lot of dates as well. But um, yeah, I signed up for classes. I asked friends for introductions. I, you know, I don't know if I'd be on Tinder today because I think Tinder is very different to what it was mm. back in when I was using when I, when I met Rod. But, you know, maybe I'd be using eHarmony or RSVP or some of the other more serious. I, I'm not across all the dating apps today, but I probably would be using everything. Mm. Well, I love that, that you had a, a wide approach. I think it's really important. I mean, I found that as I got older, I mean, everyone says that it's slim pickings or, you know, the, the nice guys are all taken. And I think there is some truth in that. Like, you know, as you do get older, you find there is a, you know, you go on a date with someone. I think as you can see in the book and you think, oh, that guy, this guy seems great. Well, I don't know why he's still single. And then, you know, half an hour later, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> Still single, and then, so I mean, you just have to go through. You know, either you can go through someone like you, and you know, who is going to do a lot of that filtering for you, or you've got to be prepared mm. to put the work in mm. and just go through all those dates, and knowing that you know you're going to have to work through a lot of people who have been single for a long time for a reason. But you know, there is still gold out there, which mm. you know I have struggled with, Rod at a certain point just because trying everything. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. Now here's something interesting that I want to uh, mention. You felt that at 34, there was a pressure from your biological clock to act in order to reach your goal of finding a partner and having children. Now I often get women who come to see me in their late thirties, sometimes early forties, sometimes even mid forties who are single and not only want to find a partner, but they want to start a family with them. What would you say to women who are in their late 30s and sometimes early 40s who still have their heart set on finding a partner and starting a family? I, mean, I would say freeze your eggs. <laughs> That's probably definitely like number one. I didn't. I thought about it, which is in the book, but I didn't do it. I kind of wished that I had. For sure, I really wanted to have two kids and then I had my second at 40 and that was harder, much harder. We ended up going through IVF. And I, at that point, I wish I had frozen my eggs. And I think it takes a bit of the pressure off as well. It's just, you know, it gives you a little bit of insurance that, I mean, it's not foolproof insurance, but it does improve your chances a lot. Yeah. And, and I think being kind of that desperate, you know, feeling like, yeah, I guess as the clock, as the birthdays ticked by for me and I got kind of 35, 36, 37, I started to get more and more worried that I wasn't going to find someone in time. Mm. It wasn't until I got to um, the point where I met Rod, I was 37 and a half. And at that point I was... I still wanted to find love, but I had, I wasn't, I kind of thought oh, this wasn't going to happen for me anymore or the chances were small and I would become quite happy with myself. It wasn't that I wouldn't want it. Of course I wanted it, but I wasn't, 
desperate for it anymore. And that was kind of when I think that was when I, when I met Rod. Mm, mm. Yeah, it's, I, I, I agree with you that freezing your eggs really gives you just a whole level of options, takes the pressure away. And I think you guys actually started for a family not that long after dating, which is, is again an unusual element because a lot of people you know, are together for a year, you know, or a couple of years, and then they start trying. But I think you guys started a little early. Is that right? Well, I think, I mean, I had dated for three years, and I dated intensely for three years. So I think <laughs> I knew... You were ready. I knew the market. And I think that's kind of an important message that I would give to women in their late 30s, is that you've got to be realistic, mm. and you would find perfection. And at the beginning, I was definitely looking for perfection, and you know and then I, and then when I met Rod it wasn't like God came down and was like this is your soulmate and this guy's perfect and he's going to make everything happy like there's still was work and there's lots you know we still argue over different things and we're not matched perfectly but you know I could see this is a really good person mm. and I I was going to make it work and so that gave me just the confidence to know that this relationship wasn't going to fall apart because I was going to make it work because I knew <laughs> that this was a good one. And he was just generally, he was a really genuine good person. Mm. And so, he's a good person, he's not perfect. And I'm not perfect either, but I'm going to make it work. And then I was like, okay, I want to have children. And I'm 37, you know, coming up to 38. So we're going to have to move on this. And so we decided, I think it was about five months after we met, and we were pregnant the very first try. So six months after we met, we were pregnant. Yeah, wow. That's amazing. And, and like, you know, it was meant to be. Yeah. It does feel like that. They are so beautiful. But um, but it's still work. Like, it's a choice and it's it's work. It's, it doesn't – I don't want to kind of create this unrealistic, you know, um, expectation that it is just all magic and perfect and that's what it should feel like because that's not what it feels like at all. It's – it's a choice and it's work and it's just knowing that this is someone who I, you know, I'm committed to. Mm, yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Now in, you discuss in your book, some occasions where you went on a date that went well, but there was no follow-up of another date. How hard was it to deal with that initially? You know, and like, if I could just ask you another question of the 138 men that you dated, roughly how many or what percentage would you say that you would have gone on a second date if they'd asked you you know and and how 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 did you manage the disappointment of not going on a date with a second date with a guy that you liked it was always disappointing at the beginning it was much harder so I you know in the book was I think my third date and I met this really lovely handsome lawyer guy and we had this great date and we drank margaritas and then we kissed and he said I'll call you tomorrow and he talked about introducing me to his grandmother and I thought oh this is the guy and then he never, I never heard from him again. And I remember staring at my phone for three days and then sending texts and thinking he had must have lost his phone or something. So, um, you know, that was really hard. My therapist gave me some great advice, which, um, you know, her advice is throughout the book, but her advice was to think of yourself like a product and that he's just not shop. He's just not shopping for what you're selling. Mm. And you've got all these unique features. He's looking for something different. Doesn't mean there's anything wrong with you. It just means you haven't found the right buyer yet. And that really helped take the sting out of mm. It's not like there was anything wrong with me or that I had been rejected because there was something wrong with me. It was just that he's not looking for me. He's looking for something else. And that's fine. I will find someone who's looking for me if I keep looking. In terms of percentages, I would say probably maybe 50% I never heard from again. 
Okay. Maybe 45%, something like that. Mm-hmm. About 30%. I'm probably fairly equal, maybe 40% that they didn't want to never contact me again. Sometimes it was like obvious that it just wasn't a match and therefore you kind of walked away without saying anything, but yeah. you just no one was going to contact each other again. Yeah. That happened a lot. There was some where even later on, I remember meeting this guy who worked for um, the Fred Hollows Foundation. It was really nice. We had this great date. And then I just never heard from him again. I did send him a text saying, hey, it was really nice. And and then he said he sent me a text back saying, I just didn't think it was a connection. Mm-hmm. So I was like, that was, you know, he didn't, he wasn't going to proactively reach out to me, but so I was, I was disappointed. So this still stings a bit. Um, and then there was, yeah, there's probably about 30, 40% where I was the one that they reached out and I said, look, I didn't think there was enough of a connection. It was really good luck. Best of luck in your search kind of thing. It was really nice to meet you. Mm. Um, so I'll say that only maybe 10% to 20% I would have gone out with on a second date. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And for that I went out with more than two or three times. Okay. Yeah, there's 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 a real kind of I call it a disposable dating mindset on the apps, you know. People judge very quickly around whether they're going to go out with you again and if they don't feel that that all the chemistry's there or all the boxes are ticks, they'll just they'll just go back to the app and find find someone else. Yeah. And I think that's a problem particularly in a, in a place like Sydney or Melbourne, you know, there's a, just that in a city a lot of people working in finance people think you know you can get anything you want now everything's kind Mm. of on it's just a different you know (laughs) choosing a person for life is just not you know in that kind of mindset yeah yeah well I'm glad I'm glad that you had Ruth your therapist because she was a wealth of wonderful information you know what what she advised you was really I thought was really wise and and very attuned with what I advise my clients and how and how to approach the process and you know we we focus a lot on the early stages of getting people prepared for dating and relationships and you know that's that's physically mentally emotionally social and socially you most certainly grew through your journey to be someone that was ready to to meet your partner and just before you met Rod, you you said that you were in a good place and you were happy to stay single. How, which is a wonderful place to be, how did you get there and, and what positive influence do you think that had on your results? Um, I mean, I don't think I was happy to stay single. I still wanted to find love, but I was happy in myself. I was so nervous when I started dating and you know, self-conscious. I mean, there was that's not just about dating. That's just about where I was at as a person. And then I had to go through this process. And I think going through getting rejected many times, having to reflect on the rejections, Mm. you know, making some stupid mistakes, getting my heart broken and getting some good advice from people, you know, and kind of like adjusting. And eventually I I got to a place where I was kind of, I was exhausted after 137 dates and, you know, I was 37 and a half and, you know, things had started to also my career was kind of in a good place at that particular time as well um I just was like okay this is me I'm gonna have to you know I'm just gonna have to accept that this is who I am and where I'm at and I'm gonna have to stop trying to fix and change myself I think I think I spent so much you know I remember even one day I spent so much time with my business coach trying to fix a particular thing like I was not very good at admin I was never been good at admin Hmm. and I was like it was around that time I was like you know what 
I'm never going to be good at admin. I'm going to stop trying to get good at admin. I'm just going to get someone else to do my admin. <laughs> and then, and then I was, that was kind of the mindset that I was in. I just stopped trying to change myself. And so when I met Rod on our date, we, you know, I had still made an effort with, you know, to look nice and we went out for a drink and then we stayed for dinner and, but I was just totally myself. I wasn't mm. trying to, I wasn't trying to second guess what he was looking for and change myself to be that. I was just like, this is me. And, you know, this is what I'm passionate about. And what are you passionate about? And we had like this great conversation and, and it was easy and relaxed and, you know, it led to a connection. Yeah, that's perfect because, you know, you, you were just being you, you'd let go of any, you know, pretense or, you know, and you weren't trying too hard. You just showed who you were. Yes. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's great. So I, I guess I still want to ask you this anyway, but I think I know what your answer will be. If Rod had been, say, date number 10 or date number 25, you know, and you'd met him earlier on in your journey, do you think that you would have gotten the same result? No, I don't think so. Mm. And I don't think he would have been interested in me. Um, he probably would have thought I was a bit pretentious and I was a bit, you know, assessing <laughs> him and stuff like that I just don't think we would have we wouldn't have connected in the way that we were able to on our date Mm. and I wonder I think I mean he's lovely in lots of ways but you know I think I also earlier on I was always looking for something that was wrong and you know Rod is not perfect he's a good person Mm. there are things that we and you know he's just different to me and a lot of his differences actually are um in turn out to be quite complimentary. Like, you know, I'm super optimistic and he's like quite, he's always looking for, you know, like when we're going on holiday, I will always be running to the airport, you know, listening for my name to be called out. Whereas he's like packed and ready to go like two days before. <laughs> Things like that would annoy me. And I would probably early on have thought we're not a match. Yeah. You know, whereas after I'd done all those dates, I was like, you know what, we're not exactly a match on some of those things. But, um, but you're a good guy. Yeah. Those things aren't really important at, at, at the end of the day. You know, it's like what you said, you want someone who's caring, who is optimistic and who meets meets the, the important criteria. Exactly. It's very reliable, you know, as well. Like, I don't know. I think early on I liked that. I also, you know, when someone doesn't call you back after a first date early on and then they call you the next day or they call you like two days later you get this big rush and you think, oh, I must really like this guy because I haven't heard from him, you know, and I was worried. And then he turned up and then it's like, you know, but that's actually not what you want. You know, Rod always called the next yeah. day. He was always called when he said he was, he was always going to be there. And then I kind of wondered early on, is this what it's supposed to feel like? And that is what it's supposed to feel like because, you know, there's nothing when you, when you come home to someone, you know, we've almost been together seven years now and, he's here when he says he's going to be here he picks up the kids when he says he's going to pick up the kids he's like it's so nice to have someone you know who you can rely on and who's committed he can do commitment absolutely you know it's it's a teammate you're both in a team together and you support each other you you're there for one another i absolutely agree with what you said not knowing if someone's going to call it's it's just it's just that just creates anxiety why why would you want to live your life like that yeah yeah you think that's passion but actually Mm. it's just relief yeah. It's like something I put in the book. So you think. <laughs> um, so after your your journey, everything you went through, many people will read your book in an effort to leverage your time and energy and learn from your mistakes, as it were. Perhaps, you know, completely flipping some strategies that currently are not serving them. 
What is it about your method that your audience finds the most challenging or confronting? What strategies did they never consider before you? You've got to put effort in. Mm. I think that's <laughs> everyone says that sounds like exhausting. That sounds like a lot of work going on all those dates. And you know what? I think I was always prepared to put effort into it because I know how much effort I put into my career. I actually looked at this, you know, it's quite calculated in the way that I thought about it early on, which was I put so much energy into my career and my business. And I know that it creates some value for my life. But if I can find love, and I wanted a family as well, if I can find love and family, then the value that's going to create for my life long term Mm. is going to be so much greater than the value that my business is going to bring me long term. You know, like there's like a health benefit, just an overall enjoyment of life benefit, connection, probably like an economic benefit, you know, (laughs) just that the, the value is just enormous compared to the value of, you know, what you get out of your career. And so therefore I was like, I'm going to invest just as much time and energy, if not, you know, more based on the value that comes from getting it right. Yeah. Yeah. So look, I, I think too, Rebecca, you're like me and, you know, you are and have been the CEO of the companies you've been involved in. You're very much a modern woman. However, many of my students and listeners are sometimes confronted by my adherence to traditional gender roles, particularly in the early stages of dating. Now, considering you are a glass ceiling smasher and you definitely communicated your drive and control in your own dating journey, which I like to mix up a bit. Reflecting Mm -hmm. on the successes that you've had in all the aspects of your life by grabbing the bull by the, well, by the balls, really, not just the horns. (laughs) How do you respond to traditional gender roles in dating? Do you feel that they still have a role in dating Uh, today? Look, I mean, I think I can only just describe what I did and what I liked. I don't know if I can speak for others. I mean, I liked it when a guy reached out to me online and, you know, he organized the dinner Mm. and like, I found that very attractive, I have to be honest. Um, But I also wasn't going to sit around and wait for that to happen. So I wanted to be, you know, I wanted this and I was going to take control and make sure that I put my, gave myself every opportunity of finding, you know, love and family. And so I was, I was always the one to reach out on the apps, you know, particularly like apps like RSVP, I found that if I was the one that kind of sat back and waited, I would get kind of the dregs that were contacting everyone. Well, it's not very nice. <laughs> but, you know, the, <laughs> that were contacting everyone. And like the, you know, the good matches weren't kind of proactively reaching out to me anyway. Maybe they were proactively reaching out to others. I don't know. But I found that, um, you know, when I took the action and, and was proactive and reached out, then I felt more comfortable because I was kind of in control of the, you know, I knew I had a pipeline kind of coming in that um, I could then set up calls with and set up dates with. And I could kind of be a bit more picky about the profiles of people that I was talking, that I was going to talk to. But in terms of gender roles, I mean, the guys did often ask to pay and, you know, would pull out this chair. And I, I could have said I did like that. I mean, I'm, if I knew I wasn't going to go on a second date with someone, I would always insist on paying half because I didn't want to feel like I kind of didn't said, no, I didn't want to date you again and you paid for my dinner. That's just a personal thing. But, um, you know, if I liked, if we had a good date and you offered to pay for dinner, that's nice. Like, <laughs> I did feel like, I don't know, just maybe that is a traditional gender role mm. thing. You, you thing as a feminine and a masculine energy. You and, liked it when they led, you know, because it was, it was obviously a sign that they were interested and invested and, you know, being chivalrous. Yeah. Yeah, I did. 
I did like that. I mean, I just found that attractive. That's mm. all I can say is from my own. You know, I'm not saying that's right or wrong, but for me, I found that, that an attractive thing for someone to do. Yeah. Um, um, and I do think, yeah, there's a thing of feminine and masculine energy. And I can definitely see, you know, as much as I do, like, have a, you know, I'm strong in my career and, and stuff, there's still, with Rod and I, there's a masculine, feminine thing, energy going on. And I think it's just about finding someone who's complementary to you. I mean, if you're really into, like, the overall gender roles, and that's fine. You've got to find a match for that. Um, and, yeah, we're quite well-matched and, you know, there's some stuff that I do more of than him, some stuff he does more of than me, and, but we're, we're partners and we match well. Mm-hmm. I totally agree that, you know, I mean, I know that in my relationship there's a real masculine-feminine difference, you know, in, in our roles. And I just think it's it's biology. I think it's just what helps us feel what works for us better. Do you think that some of the men found it attractive when you were more feminine in your energy? Um, I think I always was feminine in my energy, I think. And I don't know. I mean... Depends what you mean by feminine. I mean, I always made an, I did always make an effort with my appearance and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yes, and that's just I just like doing that. That's for me as much as it is for yeah. I like getting dressed up and yeah, um, wearing high heeled shoes and stuff as much as they hurt my feet. Um, but but I like doing that on a date. I questioned. I had lots of questions as to how much I should say about my career on a date and whether men would find that intimidating or not. You know, I gotta say when I met Rod, I was totally honest and I was myself. I didn't hold anything back. You know, the way I presented it probably wasn't like, you know, I'm this person and if you don't accept me, you know, I'm this powerful woman and if you can't deal with it, that's too bad. You know, I think that that is not how I presented it. I think mm. maybe that could come across if they felt like they were looking for someone who could but you can be yourself without being that, you know, like with still being, you know, I don't wanna say feminine, but you know, just just being nice, I think. Just mm. being genuine and kind of the kind of person that you want to hang out with and and fun. You know, it's not. I think guys want someone who's not who's, who's nice, and you want someone. You know, women mm. want someone who's nice at the end of the day. Mm. Like, you don't want someone who's gonna on the first date go, "This is who I am," and if you don't like it. Yeah, that's right. I I think that some people interpret feminine sometimes as being subdued or uh, submissive or or silly. You know. It's, and that's, that's not what it, no, not at all. I think you you can channel a lot of strength and composure and you know and and power in in just tapping into knowing who you are and feeling confident about yourself. Like you said, you're not coming into this you know discussion going, well, this is who I am and I'm a I'm a powerful woman and you have to like it or leave it. You know, there's a there's a way to express that. Yeah, yeah, that's a kind that comes across as being aggressive. Yeah, that's right. You know, just like this is the kind of person I could imagine waking up to every day, you know. <laughs> Not that. So you now have a wonderful partner and two beautiful children. To kind of like, you know, reflect on the entire journey and wrap up a little bit, how is Re- is the Rebecca now different to the Rebecca that started this journey? Oh, I'm so much happier. Um, I do feel like, you know, we always talk about our lives as being like BR and after us. So it's like before <laughs> we're both us. Um, yeah, it's just a totally different kind of. I mean, I, I, think I said before, I'm, I was early on. I was always second guessing what other people want me to be and trying to change and fix and be that. Um, whereas you know, I did throughout my journey become much more confident just being myself. Yeah, and I, I can definitely do relationships, which I couldn't do. I found relationships a challenge in my 
career and I had a couple of business partnerships not work out and in that that is just a huge learning and you know it was I was always looking for what's wrong with this person is that it could someone else if only they were a bit more like this then this would work but they're not and I was always looking for that you know mm. could I have someone there could be someone better that could you know and then this would work and I would think of alternatives or maybe I could be doing this on my own and Whereas, you know, you've got it when you're in a relationship, I think any serious relationship, unless like something absolutely has been broken, that is terrible, which, you know, is, is different to um, kind of general stuff that will come up. You've got to commit, you've got to really go, I'm going to make this work. And yeah, I learned that through my relationship with Rod. And now I can do that in business and in friendships. And it's just yeah, the value of those relationships over everything else. I've got better friendships and better <laughs> business relationships as well as a beautiful relationship. Oh, that's wonderful. So I guess you would like give, you would say to people, look, you know, you really have to work on yourself before you can really find a partner. You have to make sure that you're comfortable with who you are and, you know, you know what you know yourself, you know what you want. And that's, that's a really important beginning. Yeah. I mean, I, I did that through all the dates. So I used the dates to kind of find myself, I guess, and I, that that helped me in my journey. So I wouldn't say to people, sit back and wait till you're ready. I would say, get out there, meet people, and you'll learn. And, you know, always kind of reflect on who you were at that table, you know, when you were, you know, hopefully <laughs> sitting across from them. Um, you know, are you the kind of, you know, what went wrong? or All the stuff that I do in my book, right? And then you will kind of grow through that process. But my main message would be get out there and get started because that's where you'll grow. Yeah. It's, it is scary and you will get rejected and it will hurt. But, you know, if you don't do it, you're not going to, you, you know, I don't think you can grow by sitting around at home reading books. Mm-hmm. Actually get out there and do it. <laughs> so, uh, so what does the future hold for you now, Rebecca? What are you working on? What's the, the latest project? Well, I'm working very hard to promote my book at the moment. Um, I'm just about to launch my podcast, which I'll send you the link for. So it's last week I learned. Last week I learned. And I'm talking to some really interesting people and stuff that I'm learning every week. So I just thought I'd put some of these conversations out there. Um, and I've started writing a new book. I can't talk about what it's about yet, but it's another true story written in the style of a novel. But this time it's not my story. It's um, the story of somebody else. Oh, wonderful. I'm very my next phase of my career is going to be all about writing yeah, uh, podcasting and teaching. Oh, yeah. that, that sounds awesome. Well, we can't wait to see what the next uh, book is. Thank you. Yeah. I'm very excited. I'm very excited about it. Um, well, Rebecca, thank you so much for being with us today. It's so important for men and women to read your story and learn from your mistakes and successes. Um, tell us how we can all get our hands on your book. So the best place I think is Booktopia. I mean, it should be everywhere, including Target and Big W stores. I mean, with the current kind of COVID climate, um, you know, bookstores have been open and shut and they've got different kinds of stock. And so, so you can try your local bookstore. It should be there or they should always be able to order it in for you. Yeah, it should also be Target, Big W. But Booktopia is um, is always open and they've always got stock. I would say that, booktopia.com.au. And we'll, of course, put a link in the, uh, in the description as well so that people can, um, can directly order the book. You know, I just want to finish up by saying 
I believe that there are essentially three stages to your dream relationship. And today we've touched on preparing yourself for success and understanding how to identify your ultimate partner. That's stage one. And we've also touched on how to succeed once you're actually in front of a capable mate and move from dating to relationship. What is clear is that you and Rod have navigated the journey of relationship itself. You've been together for seven years. You have two gorgeous kids and anyone who walks in a room with you both can feel the love and connection and intimacy between you. I'd actually love to have you back and perhaps with Rod in the future to talk about stage three, which is navigating the relationship itself. Will you please come back in the future and so we can compare notes? Yeah, of course. We'd love to. We love to. We love talking about our relationship. Well, at least I do. Oh, that's beautiful. He says he doesn't, but I'm sure he actually does. <laughs> oh, well, that would be wonderful. Well, Rebecca, as always, it's lovely to chat with you. I'm so happy that, you know, you have your happy ending and, you know, and Rod is just beautiful and uh, and your children are absolutely gorgeous. So, um, you know, I'm so pleased and thank you for sharing your your journey with us. Um, uh, you know, as I said, I loved reading it and uh, and I think everyone else will too. Oh, thanks Trudy. Thanks so much for your support of the um of the book and thank keeping up your great work as well. Oh, my pleasure. Well, Rebecca, let's talk again soon and thank you for being on our show, How to Win the Dating Game. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks Trudy. Well, I hope you found value in Rebecca sharing her experience from her new book, 138 Dates. Please check out the link in the description box below and you can grab a copy. For more amazing resources on finding your ideal partner and nurturing your dream relationship, visit trudygilbert.com. That's Trudy with a Y. And there are also social links there for more videos and tips on YouTube, Insta and Facebook. Well, we will see you next week for another riveting and valuable and insightful and fun episode of How to Win the Dating Game.